trying to make it right These people won't let me go I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Let me grow, let me go Let me grow, let me go They should know, they should know They should know, they should know I'm just trying to live my life I just need space to grow I'm just trying to make it right These people won't let me go Welcome to the Tea with Brie. I'm your host, Brie. Thanks for listening. The Tea with Brie podcast is focused on deep, honest, and vulnerable conversation. Each week, I sit down with a different guest in order to have those conversations. Every week, we'll start my guest's bio and intro into how we know each other, and then we'll go into a deep dive conversation about whatever topic they brought to me that week. This week, I am joined by my guest, Emily Wilton. Emily uses she, her pronouns, works as a resource creator and coordinator for the United Methodist Church in New Jersey. In that role, she also pastors a local church. Emily has a background in academia and cares deeply about the relationship between academic theology and lived experience. Her research interests include the division between conservative and progressive Christianities and the impact of the religious right on the public perception and reception of Christianity. As a Canadian living in the United States, she sometimes feels like an observer of American life in all its complexities. Emily identifies as bisexual and is excited to meet her fiance Jen this October. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I'm so Great excited to be here with you. I mean, I'm so excited to ch- chat with you. I, you and I were texting before we got on, and I'm excited to talk. Um, you and I had been messaging about, you know, how I grew up super religious, and you know, for those of you who listen regularly, I identify as queer, meaning I date all genders. And, you know, I come from a very progressive family from Connecticut, very religious, but very accepting. And so it wasn't until I moved to Texas six years ago when I was 26. And I got this like wake up call, like of how religion is viewed here. Like I grew up with my religion of like, you know, it's about relationships. So it's your relationship with God, or Jesus or whoever you believe in. And then you have your own relationship. And then when you go to church, you're, you're in relationship with other people who have their own relationships. And like, you congregate together. Like it was never this, like Susan's a bad Christian and Melissa's a good Christian. It was like, Hey, we are all people doing our best. And we have this shared love of what we believe in and we get to come together and build community that way. And, you know, so living in the South and seeing, you know, that fire and brimstone version of God, which I never really knew. Like for me, it was always like the God you pray to who's big enough for your questions and is okay if you get mad, like he can handle that. And so to live here now and, you know, the last couple of years when 45 was president and, you know, the last couple of weeks with Roe being overturned and, you know, how religious people use that as a way to give it a reason for Roe to be overturned. And then also seeing right. how, folks in Alabama are now using it. So I wanted to start this series and just talk to queer people who are also religious and that intersection of how religion isn't just for straight people. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'm really like interested and relieved um, 
to hear that that was your experience of like faith and religion growing up was that it was um, an open and accepting space. Um, it makes me feel a little bit like, hey, maybe my experience um, as a Canadian isn't so foreign here <laughs> in the U.S. Um, not that Canada doesn't have its own problems and, you know, um, not that there aren't uh, conservative or evangelical versions of Christianity there. Uh, I've certainly experienced that growing up and and moved from a more um, conservative evangelical background um, towards a more progressive one in many ways. But um, to hear from you that it wasn't until you moved to Texas that you kind of really felt the way that religion was being used um, in this kind of manipulative and um, aggressive way. It's, it's interesting to me. Yeah. And it's, you know, it didn't really click until like, I was at another church that I really liked um, and it had, you know, a North central and a South cause Texas is very long. I mean, Austin is a very long city. There was a North central and South location. And I learned that one of the North pastors was really against queer people. And mm. it was interesting because like the South and Central pastors, I got to know really well and they were very accepting and forthcoming people. So to hear that like disconnect of there's this like the like the um, the example people often give, like there's one apple spoils the bunch. And it very much felt like that of like, I am in the space that has been created and made safe. And yet there's still this like other sort of force that's making it unsafe. And we had a lot, so many queer people who were at our church who were volunteering and involved. And it was just really eye-opening how it was still happening in a city that is so progressive and so open. Yeah. Did So with that pastor being sort of, um, I guess homophobic is the word or anti-queer, mm-hmm. um, did that affect the people's participation, particularly queer people's participation in the life of the church? For me, I'm like, I only saw queer people at the South and Central locations. I never really saw queer, queer people at the North. I mean, to be fair, I didn't go often because I lived Central at the time. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think it definitely affected how I perceived it for sure. And like, I know other queer people who I talked to, like they were like, there's a reason why we don't go to the North church. And so it was like a really understood situation of like, you go to the other ones if you don't want to. Cause it was almost like, it's interesting because because Austin is such a progressive city. Like there's still people who aren't progressive who live here, obviously. Um, right. And so to, to have that experience of like even that like level of separation to like people knew not to go to the North location. Yeah. And I think that's part of just what is so sad is that it's it creates these like rifts in communities that are supposed to be bound together by something so much bigger and deeper than all of that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I want to know how you got started in your like religious journey because I feel like is this this is your job now like how did you it is (laughs) how did how did this come to be especially as a person who is bisexual who is marrying Mm -hmm. a woman who is marrying you know who's going to be very public in your relationship in this space that you're going to be taking up which I think is great I love that representation of again like 
religion isn't just for straight people. <laughs> like the right. like the idea always comes up. And so yeah, I'm gonna gonna pause and let you chat because I can like <laughs> chat forever. Oh man, it's it's hard to know where to begin that story um, and how much detail to give. I'm like, uh, but um, I guess I'll give the the sketchy kind of background, uh, and you can ask questions if there's more info you want. I'm ready. <laughs> um, so I grew up um, a pastor's kid. Uh, my my dad was um, an assistant pastor or associate. Um, and he passed away when I was very young. Um, and also my grandfather was a pastor, my uncle, all that. Uh, long line, a long line of Canadian Baptist pastors. And then uh, my mom remarried and she married a pastor again. So uh, my stepdad um, was my pastor growing up. And I from the beginning, um, I was always really inquisitive and, um, I always asked like, what's the purpose of life? Why are we here? Those kind of like big existential questions. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I was coming from as a, as a little kid and, um, kind of left it at that. I just was always interested in it. And then I went off to what I call undergrad, but I'm learning to call college. Um, <laughs> I went off to college to study uh, English and psychology. And um, during that time, I was about two hours away from my hometown. And during that time, I really struggled to find like a home church um, that fit. And a lot of that was just feeling like um, feeling judgment from people and not as a queer person. I was not out until five years ago. Um, so I'm 35 now. So I was like 18. I was thought I was as straight as can be at the time. Uh, and then, but I was just feeling like, okay, the people I'm hanging out with and partying with on, on weekends are so much more authentic and real than a lot of these folks that I'm trying to fit into their mm -hmm. vision of like what church is. So I kind of uh, really inconsistently attended church for like a good 10 years. Um, I went here and there and I never like gave up my faith. I never felt like, oh, I'm, I'm not a believer anymore. I always kind of held it as like a personal relationship. And then, um, and then there came a point where I had to like decide what I was going to do. I had planned on becoming a therapist and doing a master's in uh, counseling and that didn't end up working out. So I was like, I had taken a couple of electives in theology just out of interest and um, I really loved them. So I just, I fell in love with theology, which sounds really weird to most people, but it was like the only subject that really, um, I loved just every moment of like reading and learning and thinking, I think it plugged into those questions that I'd had when I was a little kid about like, what are, what are we doing here? What's the purpose of life? How can good people do bad things and why do bad things happen to good people and all that? So um, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take the leap, leap of faith, uh, leap of faith that, you know, proverbial leap of faith. And I decided to dive into a master's in theological studies. And, um, at that point I was like, 
I want to do theology. I do not want to be a pastor. I was like adamant that I would never become a pastor. And part of that, I think, was just like, I came from a long line of pastors. I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. Um, And I really loved academic theology. So um, I studied academic theology for like, I think nine years. Is that right? I think that's right. Um, And I I started actually a a doctoral program in at Princeton Theological Seminary uh, in theology. And then um, three, about three years into that PhD program, a lot of things happened. I kind of came out to myself and everyone else. Um, That's unrelated largely to why I left the program eventually. Um, but I, I had kind of a bunch of mental health stuff come up. Um, I found the program to be really draining and, um, on my mental health, which I, any PhD student will tell you, but I I had a couple of pretty major issues arise and, um, I eventually had to leave the program. I I couldn't get through my comprehensive exams. uh, And I attribute that largely to anxiety. And at that point, I kind of had to make a decision, like, am I going to move home to Canada and start fresh and look for a job, whatever? I had just started dating Jen, my fiance, and I was like, oh, (laughs) I don't don't really want to leave right now. Um, But I had to make a decision. And I, I spent about, you know, six months or so probably figuring that out. And it was in that time where I decided, why don't I give this ministry thing a try. And, um, that's when I like switched programs and I went into a master of divinity program. I just had to do a year cause I already had, oops, sorry, I already had the background uh, of theology and everything, um, that I've been studying for some several years. So at that point I decided to give it a go and, um, and I kind of, I fell in love with preaching. I wasn't so sure about the rest of the pastoring stuff at the time, but um, I've actually found it to be really life-giving. And I also, I work for my denomination. I I know you mentioned that in my bio. So I'm not, I'm a halftime pastor and a halftime I do like, I create like sermon series and um, that a bunch of different churches use. And I, I get to kind of exercise that like more intellectual side a little bit. So, um, yeah, that's probably a longer <laughs> description of, um, my journey than you were looking for, but no, it's a good one. We need to, yeah. we need an updated summary. I think definitely like my godfather is a pastor. So I feel that like familial connection to it and I was talking to a friend at dinner last night. She's like, what's new? I was like, well, I literally yelled, I yelled at God last week. And she goes, why? I go, God's big enough for my anger. It's fine. Like it was a whole conversation I had. And she's like, oh, she's like, I've never thought of it that way. I go, oh no, I was raised very much to like, even still like very religious, but like to question everything. And like, to know that like God's big enough for your anger, for your questions, for your things. And so I think it's always interesting with people who grew up with that familial connection to religion of like families that are very religious too, of like, but then being able to have conversations around it, I think that very much shaped me. And then also like when I came out and I told my godfather, he's like, I love you. Like it was never, 
even like a hesitation on his end to talk about or to run away from my queerness. And, you know, I found that it's been very interesting because I do have folks in my family who are very religious and very conservative and, you know, don't support and are homophobic who I don't really talk to because I'm the biggest liberal to ever liberal. So we just like have an understanding <laughs> of like, we don't talk about anything. We are high and by family. Yeah. Um, but I think for me too, it's been interesting having conversations around everything from queerness to abortion access, to immigration, to, you know, how so many people try to use religion in the Bible as a way to make an us versus them, like a separatist idea And I'm always like the, I very much identify with like New Testament Jesus. I feel like was a very progressive hippie who, you know, (laughs) just loved everyone and accepted everybody. And that's very much like the realm of my religion that I lean into of like, there's so many religions out there. Like I always feel like no one has it absolutely right, but we're able to all have conversations about it for sure. And so the last few months, I would say, you know, between SB8 passing in Texas and now everything with Roe v. Wade and, you know, all the trans bills here in Texas, I'm just like the people who use religion. I'm like, you're not reading it right. Like you are using it as a weapon. And it's very much been that. That's how I've been looking at it lately of like, for me, I was embarrassed to, to even say I was religious for a couple of years because of. Yeah how people were using it so deplorably. And, you know, like I said, coming from a family that is so supportive, it was really, that was really hard for me to like, just accept things as they are. And I just, I'm not a person to just accept things as they are. I like to challenge everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I don't know. I don't, I just want to, I kind of want to know like, how have you felt about things as a person whose job it is to literally study (laughs) the Bible and theology and what it tells us. Cause you know, I have a friend who was on the podcast really early, my friend Aiden, and we talked about, you know, Aiden is in seminary finishing up and how everything was very lost in translation. Cause he's like doing like the whole like Judaism, like the Jewish translation of everything. And so we had a whole conversation about like how, when everything got translated, it was so mistranslated, I guess is the best word I can think of. So yeah, I just want to know, like, how, as a person who is in the queer community who does this work, how have you been feeling as a person who actually is, whose job this is? Yeah, um, I. It's interesting because there's so many. Uh, in my bio, I said Christianities, like multiple, mm-hmm. because that's how I really feel. Is there's so many versions of Christianity that sometimes it's like hard to see where they even overlap otherwise, Mm -hmm. other than just like in name (laughs) and like the claim to follow Jesus or the claim to, um, believe in God. And, um, I think that's kind of where I'm living right now is like the church that I lead, um, is, or I should say the church that I serve, if I'm going to be technical (laughs) here, um, is pretty like, well, it's very accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say politically, it's kind of middle ground. There's like a good chunk of conservatives. There's a good chunk of progressives. Personally, politically, I'm very <laughs> progressive leftist. Um, but it's a really interesting place to occupy because I, 
I have to lead these people as like Christians and I have to lead them in their faith. And it's not my job to tell them like, you should vote Democrat or whatever, or you should, uh, you know, I have to, I can't really tell them where to lean politically. Um, and not that they would listen any, anyway, even if I did, but, um, it's hard because I have to be, I have to be their leader and their pastor, Mm -hmm. regardless of what they believe, uh, politically. And, and for me, um, for me, the, the, the identifier as being a person of faith or a Christian is like more important to me than my political affiliation, but Mm. the two cannot like, cannot be separated. Mm -hmm. Um, so for people who are so adamantly like of faith, but have, but see the way that that works out differently, like they have their faith, but it, it doesn't have the same implications for their politics. It's often really hard to have those conversations because it's, I don't know. It's just the, the getting from point A to point B is so different. Like, and, and I have so many progressive Christian friends and I have so many conservative Christian acquaintances <laughs> um, that I'm like, how can, how are we even reading the same text mm-hmm. and, and coming to these different conclusions so yeah you saying that really sparked something in my head too like even still now like not going to church regularly but like I'm very much like a YouTube churchgoer like I have a couple of pastors who I watch online who I really adore um but when people talk to me like I'll meet someone on the street or like at an event and they're like I don't know like I was just so drawn to talk to you like to draw like drawn to your light and I'm always like that like let your light so shine is still like in the back of my head constantly. And then I think about like my faith does inform me as a person. Like I am very, but like I said, I identify with like hippie Jesus who loved everybody versus fire and brimstone God. Like, and so for me, like that's just an interesting perspective too of like how I very much like try to be a good person, do the right thing. Like all those things that you're taught in like Bible study and like <laughs> vacation Bible school when you're little, like we were supposed like the quote, right and wrong things to do. And you know how it, it, it still even now like very much feeds and informs who I am because I'm, I'm always trying to be a good person. And, you know, I have I had a conversation the other day with someone like, do you believe in heaven, I'm like, I definitely believe there's a space, like after we die, we go somewhere. Like I, but I'm also a hippie. I'm like, I don't know. I believe in a lot of different things. Um, but I, I think for me, I'm like, you know, I, I did social work for a while as my first like grown up train of, of, of adulthood job. Um, and it was definitely because, you know, my mom passed when I was 15. And so I mm-hmm. felt very much like, so many people showed up for me and gave to me that I wanted to pay it back. And I feel like that was like God or Jesus, whoever you believe in, like showing up in my life in that way. And if I look at my life and all the things that have happened, it definitely like someone out there is looking out for me for sure. And so I think for me, like I'm always trying to pay it back. Cause I, I mean that whole idea, like God or like Jesus paid for our sins and we don't have to, but I feel like I still should be putting good out into the universe 
And I think right. that very much feeds into, into the ideas. But then I think about, I went to a rally probably five years ago now. Um, it was, a, it was a, it was for, I think it was for trans kids at the Capitol or it was something queer related. Um, so I, ju- I just went by myself because I am wild like that. And so I went to a rally and there was a guy there who was uh, like a counter protester. And it was me and another uh, black person. I, I think it was a black trans woman, if I can remember correctly. And she and I just started quoting scripture and singing hymns back because he wasn't expecting that, like for queer people to know scripture and to know God and to know Jesus. And I was like, my queerness does not take away from my religion. I think it actually makes me feel more solid of like, if God created all of us, then how can I be wrong? And I think that's, you know, how I feel now with like Roe of like, I believe in body autonomy. I believe in all these different things. And so to have people who support the idea of like making a person who is pregnant continue a pregnancy that they don't want. I think like, how can we do that? Even just scientifically, like not to be all scientific, but I was also like, a fetus <laughs> isn't technically considered a baby until like 10 weeks. Like there's like something with the heartbeat of like, it's basically just like electrodes. Like it doesn't actually have a heart yet. And so I've just yeah. been reading a lot of things because I've been angry. So when I'm angry, I read to yeah, to argue with people um, <laughs> and just kind of, you know, got to be informed. Um, but yeah, I just, I just constantly think of like the scriptures I keep in my mind to kind of have in my arsenal for when people are like, well, you're not religious and you're not this. And I'm like, actually my godfather's a pastor. And the minute I say that, like, oh crap, like she, right. she has like, <laughs> there's like a Trump card she throws out. I'm like, actually. And then you know, to be like, I grew up in the church. I grew up singing in the church. Like I know hymns, like I know all these things. And, you know, just because I don't align with what your quote ideal version of Christianity would look like, doesn't mean that you're any more connected than I am. Right. Yeah. And, and I think the, you, you were talking a little bit earlier and, and just now about, um, you know, believing a lot of different things mm-hmm. and kind of holding space for, different, um, understandings and, and it, I hear like the word that comes to my mind is humility, like Mm -hmm. in the face of like everything that exists and in the face of the potential for something, someone like God to exist that like humility in like what we claim to know or not know is so important. And I think like, that's where, that's where I really get angry with, um, with the people who are, you know, calling queer people, you know, say we're going to hell or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, all this, all this stuff. It's all part of the same package, <laughs> you know, the, the anti-abortion mm-hmm. gay hating folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like, there's, there's this level of certainty that they claim that to me, it's just like, if you worship a God that is bigger than everything and everyone, how can you as a human claim to have this level of certainty mm-hmm. about what other people are doing about like what's right and what's wrong. And um, it's really disturbing to me. Uh, and, and just like the way that they use the Bible as a weapon and, mm-hmm. and um 
everyone like you can't there's no neutral way to read the bible Uh, Mm -hmm. there's no like you have to have a way of interpreting it and if if your way is literal that's that's one thing and if your way is more spiritual as I would call it or you know um everyone has a lens and Mm -hmm. and if that lens allows you to use the bible as a weapon then um I think there's a real problem with that um especially because of the way Jesus like talked about his, the scripture from his day, you know, and the way that people, the, you know, Pharisees or whatever, they, they used, tried to use the Bible to, as a weapon and Jesus called them out on it constantly. Mm. Um, and I'm like, I have two things <laughs> yeah, that you just sparked in my brain of like one, if God is bigger than everything, like you're telling me he can't change his mind number one is what always makes me mad and number two the bible like you're saying is very old if you take it literally you get it one way right but i'm always and maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong but something i always think about is like god did not write the bible they were like a number of stories that other people wrote as their experiences so i think of the bible as like people's journals like a bunch of journal entries (laughs) kind of crammed Mm -hmm. together into one book and i'm like Okay, but also like scientifically having studied mental health stuff of like how we remember things. And I'm always like, if we keep telling ourselves that one thing happened one way, we will start to remember it that way. So like if I woke mm-hmm. up this morning, like, oh, I drove past a blue house and I kept saying like, and I never drove past a blue house, but that's the memory we now create in our head. So I'm always just like, it's all interpretation. Like, not saying that the things didn't happen, but I'm also just like, but okay, but we also know like evolution happened. We also know like these things happen. I'm just always like, science is real. Your faith is real. But I was like, we now live in a place where they overlap and I need us to be aware of these things. And so that's like, that always gets me too of just like, you're telling me as a person who has been around for 50-ish years, let's say, you know more than the God you know who's been around for since the beginning of time like you're telling me that you are the only one that understands correctly the interpretation and I'm just always like okay like it gets to a point when I'm just like I, there's no arguing there's no talking to you like I'm not going to convince you and I don't know it just always gets me of just like people who are just stuck in their ways and have to be right and I'm not I'm not a person who has to be right I'm like please tell me I'm wrong I always want to be learning and changing but it just, it just gets to a point for me where I'm just like, okay, like, I don't know what else to tell you. Cause I'm just like, I know what I know. And you know, if I get to the the next life or heaven and I'm not allowed in because I was queer or because I supported abortion or because I supported immigration, like, I can live with that. I can live for it in, in an eternity where I did what I thought was best. Yes. I'm yeah. human. I still fall short if it means that like the person who I believed in doesn't align with what I believe, like I can live with that. Like I, I I can be okay with that. I'm like, but I would rather treat everyone with the same level of respect and dignity, dignity they deserve versus making them feel like they don't, which I feel like a lot of, in my experience, conservatives have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I agree. And I, I think it's so interesting the the question of how we interpret scripture and how um 
now I'm, I'm blanking because I have too many like thoughts moving around in my head too quickly. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm remembering what you were, you were talking about, um, okay. the way people, you, the way people use scripture and, um, but I think the, how you're saying, like you believe in science, um, but people also have faith and how scripture, like you, you see the Bible as more like journals. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a question that a lot of people miss or like a point, like a nuance that a lot of people miss is like, what was this written for? Like this, it's a bunch of different kinds, like the Bible is a bunch of different kinds of books and a bunch of different kinds of literature and things like the, the new Testament is full of letters. And then, you know, in the Hebrew Bible or old Testament, you have a bunch of poetry and you have creation stories and you have prophecies and like, this was not written. First of all, it was not written in a time when, um, like science and history as the disciplines that they exist as now existed. Mm -hmm. So it was never meant to be a science book. It was never meant to be a history book. It was always meant to be a record of people's experience with God and a record of their interaction with God. And of course, like there's different theologies of the Bible. So there's, you know, people who believe that uh, the people who wrote the Bible, it was like, God speaking through them in a way that every word was dictated. Um, But then there's people like me who think that like God in, in some sort of compassion chooses to somehow communicate through these words of these like broken and faltering people. Um, And I think like, that's actually much more incredible and amazing than than this kind of direct inspiration yeah. perspective. Yeah. Cause if I hear one more time, like the scripture about like two men shall not, I'm like, no, 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 we can't like, <laughs> that's not what was happening. <laughs> I was like, we also like, shouldn't eat shellfish combinations of fabrics. Like I'm just always oh. like, okay, <laughs> work on Sundays, but here we are. It's, it's right. It's the, like the nitpicking, like we yeah. pick what works for us and then whatever doesn't we say is bad, but anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's a, a little piece of my like history that I didn't mention. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I thought of myself as straight ish until I was in my late twenties. And then I was like, well, maybe not. And, you know, gave myself some permission. Same, same. <laughs> yeah. Gave myself some permission to like explore that. And, um, but I was, leading a, a study for my church recently on, um, sexuality in the Bible and in the church. And as I was preparing for that, I realized that like, you know, people are always like, well, how do you reconcile being queer with being religious or, you know, how, how do you make that fit? And I'm like, my perspective on what the Bible is and what the Bible does and says changed before I realized I was Mm. queer. And it was, I think it was not because of that, but that allowed me to be able to explore my queerness. Mm. That perspective on the Bible allowed me to be able to explore my queerness rather than being like, oh, I'm queer. Now, how do I like make it fit? Do mental gymnastics to make Mm -hmm. what I believe fit? It's like this more expansive, loving view of God. 
laid the groundwork for me being able to love myself in, in that way. Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm just always, as of recently, I've been really scared, obviously, with everything that's been yeah. rolling back um, and trying to have grace for people and be, and still, even still like the back of my mind, like be a good Christian, like pray for them. And I'm just like, no, I'm mad. Like they don't deserve <laughs> my prayers and my hospitality and my kindness when it's not extended because it's, it's clearly being shown that they're not extending the same level to me. I just want to know, like, how do you keep your faith? Like you were saying, like, why do bad things happen to good people? And like, why do good people suffer? And you know, with, with everything going on right now, like how do you keep steady in your faith? Because mm. it's been hard it's, for me. I'm being a thousand percent honest. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, I, yeah, I think my first reaction, I, I want to be pastoral and be like, that's okay. And that's normal. <laughs> and that's um, like, as you, you know, all the things like, Yes. God can handle your anger and your doubt and your frustration. And, um, and that's, I guess, kind of what I tell myself too. Um, honestly, I think I do have doubts and struggles. Um, I I'm secure in my faith, but I, I see what's happening as like, and I, when I say what's happening, I mean, politically, largely in this country, I see it as um, unfaithful, Mm. even though many people Mm -hmm. see it as a win for Christianity or like, oh, reclaiming the America for God. And I'm like, are we? Um, (laughs) I'm not sure that this makes God happy. Um, so I guess I'm in kind of like a period of lament is the word that, you know, the people in scripture would use, um, period of lament for, for women, uh, for other people who can uh, have children who have uteruses, um, Mm -hmm. And for the rights that are being taken away, I I see it as kind of an affront uh, to to faith. So um, I think what what really challenges my faith is trying to love the people who also claim to be Christians, but who have such a different perspective than me. Mm. And I'm like, God, if we're looking at the same thing and we're coming to these different conclusions, like what, what do you want me to do here? Like, what is the goal? What is the end game? Um, So I just, I kind of live in that tension and that struggle. And I guess I don't resolve it particularly (laughs) well or easily. (laughs) I need an answer. Tell me what to do. I know. I know. I I think it's also too, like, like you were saying for the people who think they've like, they've had a win for Christianity. I'm like, but the separation of church and state, like that, that was the whole point of people coming to this country. And now, you know, a lot of conservatives are using religion as a way to push things along. And I'm like, 
isn't this like unconstitutional? And then I get really angry about it. So I'm just like, it's right there in black and white. And, you know, yeah. the freedom of religion is supposed to be a thing, but it's like, that doesn't exist because now we're making these choices. Um, and then also like being like America is like very much a Christian country, you know, even if they won't admit it most of the time. I mean, our money says in God we trust, but you know, what do I know? <laughs> but that's always a thing too, of just like, you know, I actually had a conversation with people who belong. Oh my gosh, I don't want to misquote, but they're not, they're not Satanist, but they belong to the temple. I can't remember. Okay. Um, but we're having a conversation about abortion access and how a lot of people who belong to the temple, if I'm remembering correctly, please go back and listen to the episode that it was on. It was like two episodes ago. Um, I think I did actually listen to it. And so. it was, it was <laughs> they were talking about how they're using their religious beliefs to fight abortions and fight like for, for abortions and fight for gay marriage because it's like we're supposed to have freedom of religion in this country but now you're making it impossible for us to practice our religion and just like now like for lack of a better term like the loopholes we have to figure out to make things work for us I'm just like Ugh, which is fine it's just it's just annoying as a person who never thought like I would have to whisper like I grew up a Christian like almost like right not shameful because I'm not ashamed of like what it instilled in me as a person like I like I said I think it very much informs me but like being like I'm a Christian but I'm not that <laughs> sort of Christian. right it's like the hashtag not all Christians yeah. but it's but you, I stroke I really struggle with that because you don't want to like people have been so hurt by like the church Christians billion whatever percent. Yeah. And, and I in no way ever want to invalidate that. Um, and I, again, I think like that's an affront to God is that like mm-hmm. the church is hurting people. There's something right. wrong with that. Um, mind you, the church is full of like broken and fallen people, just like every, <laughs> everything else. That's the tea of it all, isn't yes. it? So, but it's like, yeah, I, the whole church and state thing, I, yeah, it's one thing if like the majority of people who live in a country happen to have a certain faith, then mm-hmm. yeah, you could call it a Christian nation or whatever. But just historically, um, I mean, Christianity did not start out as like a religion with political power. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really anti empire. Right. Um, and so anytime I see, like even historically, anytime you see um, religion really saddling up with government and politics, um, it's usually bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really scares me. Um, and I know everyone's like, don't talk about Nazis. That That's not what's happening here. And I'm like, there are little mm-hmm. history repeats itself. Shimmers uh-huh. and like... Um, yeah. Yeah, like when when religion is being used to enforce or reinforce politics, I just think it's a bad, <laughs> bad look. <laughs> Truly. Well, you're the first of the series. Um, this is a, a very big request from some listeners to talk about the intersections of religion mm-hmm. and queerness or religion and politics and religion and progressive views um so i thank yeah. you for being the first one to kind of kick off this series and get us started um oh, my pleasure 
I want to echo what you said. God is big enough for all the questions or, you know, you're, you're not your, but one's lack of God or lack of, um, belief is also equally valid. And, and from a pastor's perspective, from this pastor's perspective, um, whatever exists, God is big enough to hold all of that. So that's not really me plugging anything. It's just me getting in a little pastoral word. <laughs> I think I think that works for me. Um, at the end of every episode, I have one final question, sort of like a palate cleanser before we depart. Um, sure. And that question is, what is the best advice you're ever given? Or what is a piece of advice you'd give to your younger self? Mm. Yeah, I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's in, it's in the run of show. I leave, I leave it so people know it's coming. Um, so I was thinking about this and the, I think the best advice that I've ever been given is not really like just a simple sentence, but it's when I've been in situations where like I, I don't believe in myself or I think that um, whatever's happening in my life is like the end of everything. And the best advice I've been giving has been typically from my parents <laughs> who have just always reminded me that this doesn't define you. Um, and there is, you know, a religious or faith perspective to that. Like your identity is lies in the fact that you are loved and nothing else. Um, and, I love that so much that I got the word loved tattooed down the side of my uh, body mm. to just to be like, this is who you are. Um, and so that's kind of, that's my favorite advice. And if I were to talk to my younger self, I think I would say something along the lines of um, perfection isn't a goal worth pursuing. Um, and I feel attacked, Emily, (laughs) my younger self and my current self, because I still struggle with that. I just think that it's, um, that having that hanging over my head was, has always been counterproductive, you know, aspire to excellence, not perfection. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. This week's episode of The Tea with Brie. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Tea with Brie. Send me an email at the tea with Brie at gmail.com and visit the website, the tea with Brie podcast.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or we get your podcast. A special thanks to Mama Duke for our theme music. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Bye.